It is so good to be here. I'm having so many memories. I'm looking around. I'm I, I, Tim, Sage, and uh, uh, Petra, and Mark. And then I said hi to Reg and Marion, picked us up. Reg and Marion, Reg Matthews, um, many years ago, um, wrote a prophecy out to me. And, of course, for those of you who don't know, um, 40 years ago, we were married right here. Uh, actually, in Dean Place is where we got married. And we were ordained as the youth pastors. Literally, I just figured it out. 40 years ago, um, as the youth pastors of this house, I have prayed through and, and Kingswood High School, Nepean High School, Penrith High School, Cranebrook, St. Paul's Grammar, Emu Plains, East Blacksland. I have put, I don't know how many countless, and I'm not exaggerating, tens of thousands of hours in prayer. Eric, remember praying here three hours a lot of days and every, how many days a week? Um, it wasn't because we were spiritual. Our senior pastor made us. And there were many times when I literally would just pretend I was praying and I'd just fall asleep here on the carpet. Do you remember that? Uh, I think I spent as much time sleeping as I did praying, to be really honest. So we're ha- I'm having so many wonderful memories. And I just want to honor Pastor Jack and Carol Haynes. And, uh, you know, nobody, nobody in all the 25 years that Cheryl and I have pastored Wave Church, and I, was, I, I mean this with all my heart, nobody has had the impact on our our uh, people when it comes to getting a heart for mission and people's attitude toward money and the, the, the power and the influence that money has than your pastors. In um, all the years we've had people come and encourage people around that thought, nobody has had the impact that this man has had on our business people and our leaders in our church. And I just honour you, Jack, for your heart and Carol, for your consistency, your steadfastness. And to be here today is a great honour. I feel like it's coming home, praise the Lord. So can we honour your senior pastors, Jack and Carol Haynes? Wow. All right. Well, I was thinking about what would I share today with you? And uh, I think, to be honest with you, you guys were so kind because you actually back in those days, um, were the innocent victims of my early ministry uh, years. Uh, I remember there was, a, there was a couple of deacons who never liked me in this church. Um, and now I know why. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, uh, and there were plenty of people who did, by the way. But, you know, I, was, I, I, I think about what, what would I share today. And I really felt like the Lord gave me this word for you. Is this cool? Uh, and it's a word, I, you know, that I really feel like, but between now and the end of this year, there's a short-term effect that I pray is happening. But I pray there's a long-term vision that comes out of this. Can I say that God's best for you is still in front of you? And I want to say some things that maybe you believe God for this year. Can I just say the Lord wants to remind you this year is not over yet. And don't get despondent and don't lose heart because the year's not over yet. But I want to speak, the word that God's given me is there's new ground. And I believe God wants you to take new ground. I don't think just as a church corporately taking new ground, I'm not necessarily even talking about buying more land. I'm talking about new ground as a church in your influence, in your impact. But I'm speaking to you individually about your marriage and your family and your business and your health and your finances. So I want to speak a word to you today. This is the word of the Lord for you. God has new ground for you. 
Amen? And I'm not just talking about out there in the future. I feel like there's several people here that you're going to see a breakthrough before the end of this year is out. And if you will lay a hold of that dream, it will come to pass. So here's the scripture I want to start with. Are you ready for it? Exodus 23, and we're going to read in verse 27. And this is God promising Israel that he's going to give them new ground. And he goes, I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion every nation you encounter. And I will make your enemies turn their backs and run. And I will send the hornet ahead of you, and I will drive out the Hittites, the Canaanites, the termites, the parasites, the Hittites. I'm just adding a few in case you haven't wondered. uh, Out of your way. But I will not drive them out in a single year. But because the land will become desolate and wild animals too numerous for you. Look at the word of the Lord. Little by little. Can we say little by little? Little by little, I will drive them out before you. Watch, until you, here's the key, until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. So here's God promising Israel, I've got new ground for you. There's new things for you to take. There's new possession for you to lay a hold of. There's something in your future that I have for you that will be a blessing. I'm going to give it all to you. But I won't give it to you all at once because it will be too much. You know, the Bible says an inheritance gain quickly shall bring a man to ruins. So God says, I don't want to give it to you all at once because it's too much. But I will give it to you. But I'll give it to you little by little. Listen to it. Until you have increased enough. And when you've increased enough to take possession of this much, then I'll give you more. Amen. So how many, everybody say new ground. He says, I won't give it to you in a single year because the land will be desolate and I don't want wild beasts to take over it. And he goes, I will give it to you, but it's dependent upon you being able to sustain what I give you. Amen. So I believe God has new ground for you for your finances. I know in this day and age, we hear all the doom and gloom about the economy and inflation and the cost of real estate and, you know, the cost of living. Boy, I know it. I was in a restaurant two nights ago with my wife down in Parramatta, and they won $180 for one steak. I was like, let's get the one steak and divide it by four of us. We'll just eat a quarter of the steak each. $180. I've never seen that much of an expensive style. What did they they said this this cow was 900 days fed by what was it? Grain fed. I want a certificate. I want the cow to testify. I was thinking about, you know, new ground with your family. Maybe some people here today, but you're believing God to have kids. Maybe for your family, the new ground is what Pastor Jack prayed about, that your child will come back to God. I don't know what that new ground is, but I believe God's speaking to you, that he's got new ground that he wants to give to you, and he, you will take possession of it in Jesus' name. Maybe it's new ground in your faith. Maybe it's new ground in your fitness, in your finances, in your health. I believe God is speaking a word to you today, and I want you to hear it. He has new ground. Amen. Somebody can get excited. He has new ground. Maybe it's for you in your business. So how do we take the new ground? That's the key, isn't it? How do we get this new ground? God's promises are yes and amen. 
Everything that God promises will come to pass. Every T will be crossed. Every I will be dotted. How do we get the new ground? Listen, it's by passing God's tests. How many know God has a way of testing us? Not testing us in a way that it's like pass or fail. In a sense, it's like this. God will test us to prove us. God will test us so that we can take the new ground. It's you, before you drive a car, you want that car road tested. Before you fly an airplane, I got a friend and his literal job, he's the test pilot of brand new planes that have just been built. They've never been flown before. His job is to test the plane. I don't want that job, but I'm glad he does it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And he will then say, yeah, this plane is now, you know, airworthy. I wouldn't want to get in a plane that hadn't been tested. Amen. God has a way of testing you and I. So what are the tests he gives us? Look at this. Genesis 39. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. And when his master saw, the Lord was with him, and the Lord gave him success in everything he did. Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything that he owned. Now, by the way, Joseph in this context is a slave. He's been, acute, he's been sold off by his brothers, and he does it, he's done nothing to deserve this, but he is the least of the least. And this man, Potiphar, notices this is a good man. This is a trustworthy man. This is a hardworking man. This is a man who Joseph, actually, the Bible says, had a dream that he would be a leader and that the sun and the moon and the stars would all bow and, and, and pay reverence to him, that God would use him in a mighty way. And here's the first step toward the fulfillment of the dream. He's a slave. And Potiphar is going to use him to get, because he sees that God is with him and God is prospering him. And Potiphar is smart enough to realize this is a trustworthy man and put him in charge of everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household, and it says the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. And it says the blessing on the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. I don't know about you, but when I read that, I get excited. I don't just want a blessing in my house. I want a blessing in the field. Amen? So Potiphar left everything in charge, everything he had in charge of Joseph's care. And with Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. God gave him a dream. You'll be a powerful leader. You're going to take new land. You will influence the world. He ended up becoming second only the Pharaoh, the leader of what was then the known world and everything that God had for Joseph. But he's going to go through a test. And the test is, can you be a good slave? And I want to tell you, if your job today is flipping burgers at McDonald's, then you might look at that and go, what kind of a job is this, a burger flipper at McDonald's? Well, if you will pass the test of being faithful in where you are and you were determined to be the best burger flipper there ever flipping burgers in all the flipping McDonald's, God will promote you. Joseph was faithful as a slave. It wasn't the fulfillment of his dream. He didn't become a victim. He didn't start 
singing the blues. He was just diligent where God put him. And God has a way of testing us because he has more for us in our future. But can we be faithful in the test of today? Amen. We're going to go, well, I, I believe I should have a better job. I believe I should have a better income. Until you can be good at what you do today, you're not ready for the next thing in Jesus' name. I've got three kids. They're all grown up. Sharon and I, uh, actually this year, this November, just gone, we celebrated our 40th wedding anniversary. We both celebrated our 60th birthday. I know what you're all thinking. We do not look old enough. You're all thinking that, weren't you? Weren't you? And on top of that, we celebrated our 25th year of pastoring Wave Church. We've got three kids. One of the greatest things, challenges we faced in teaching our kids growing up is when we would buy one of them something, the other two would get jealous. And we used to say, unless you could be happy with their being blessed, your brother being blessed, your sister being blessed, you're not ready for more yourself. So they would start getting all, like, you know, the comparison. That piece of pie is bigger than my piece of pie. And one of the greatest things that we want to do as parents was teach them, hey, you've got to be able to rejoice when you see your brother or your sister get blessed. And if you're actually getting an attitude and you're thinking, what about me? It isn't fair. I've had enough and I want my share. That sometimes you just say something for a few people. Young people, you have no idea what that was all about. How many do know that song and bring back some, uh, you know, you start singing the blues. Nobody knows. Some of you have no idea about this song. The trouble I've seen, nobody knows. How many know that song? Praise the Lord. Young people, look, fossils. <laughs> look at Genesis 39. Watch this. So this is Joseph again. Now he's in prison. And while he was in prison, the Lord was with him. And it says he showed kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison world. This is not really taking you toward your dream. Would you agree? He's gone from a slave to a prisoner. And it says, but the warden showed kindness and granted him favor. So the warden, watch, put Joseph in charge of all those who were held in the prison. A prisoner is put in charge of the prison. What's that? That's a man who's got a dream. That's a man who wasn't stuck in his present moment. Come on, somebody. That's a man who's not a victim. You couldn't imprison this man's dream. You could put him in prison, but you couldn't steal his dream from him. He wasn't living in the woes of today. He was filled with the wonder, there's new ground for me. There's something more for me. God has a plan for my life, and it's bigger than where I am now. And if I'll just be faithful in where God has put me today, then I know my future is bright. Somebody ought to get excited. So the warden put him in charge of all those who were in the prison. He was responsible for all that was done there. Watch. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care. But the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. I want to speak it to you. Look at me. God has new ground for you. Come on. He's got promises for you. But you've got to learn to be faithful in where you are today. Success is found in being faithful in everyday routine. 
Matter of fact, when, you, when I read the Bible, the Bible talks about God uses busy people. David was looking after the sheep when he was anointed to be king. Saul was looking for his father's donkeys when Samuel anointed him to be king. Peter was fishing. Daniel was faithful through four different kings and governments, and he was there. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were faithful, and they didn't bow to the God of the world. Esther was faithful, and God made her beautiful, and she rescued all of Israel. Abraham, oh, he's my favorite. You want to talk about God testing people? Abraham's my favorite. Abraham was tested beyond means, beyond measure, beyond our wildest imaginations. Look what God says to Abraham. Later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. And God said, go take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go into the region of Moriah. Sacrifice there a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. And early in the morning, Abraham loaded up his donkey. I love it, it says early in the morning. He didn't wait. He didn't go, God, oh, give me a week and let me pray about it. The next day, early in the morning. I I believe, by the way, mornings are of the devil. Do I have any friends? I can actually prove it biblically, Pastor Jack. I can. It says about Lucifer, oh, how you have fallen from heaven, son of the dawn. Mornings are of the devil. How many night people do we have here? Praise the Lord. We've got one night person. How many love night times? How many are morning people? You're all very sick people. You need professional help. Praise the Lord. And it says here, he got up early and he loaded up his donkey and he took him, uh, his donkey and his son and his two servants. And when he'd cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he sent out to the place that God told him. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay with the donkey while the boy and I go over there. We will worship. Now look what he says. And we will come back to you. Now what did God say? Take your son and sacrifice him. But Abraham saying, we will worship and we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering, placed it on his son Isaac. He himself carried the fire and a knife. I love this here. I mean, think about this. And the two of them went together and Isaac spoke up. He said, hey, dad, father, Abraham, yes, my son. Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb. What he could have said was, kid, you're it. But he didn't. He just went, son, the Lord will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. And the two of them went on together. And when they reached the place that God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. And he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then he reached out his knife just stop for a minute. Isn't it amazing that the Bible doesn't say Isaac went, Dad, what are you doing? I'll be honest, if that's me, I'd find some way to get off that altar. Anybody hear what I'm saying? I'll go, hey, Dad, you do whatever God told you to do, but I'm going to do everything to survive this. And the Bible says he picked up the knife and began to plunge it toward the chest of his son. And as he reached out his hand to slay his son, the angel of the Lord called out, Abraham, Abraham, here am I, replied, don't lay a hand on the boy. He said, do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you've not withheld from me your son, 
your only son. There's only one problem with living sacrifices. We crawl off the altar. And I love this story because it says God tested him. And actually, that's Genesis 22. But can I take you back to Genesis 15, to the real origin of this story? I love this. I want you to hear this. Some of you, I want to speak to you. Look at me. God has new ground for you. God has made promises for you. And sometimes it seems like what God is testing us is too much. We feel like it's too hard. And and I just think God showed us how Joseph was just faithful in what he did as a prisoner. And Joseph was faithful as a slave. And ultimately, Joseph did become second only to Pharaoh. He interpreted a dream in prison and it elevated him to prominence and leadership that was global. And it brought a whole nation and a whole world in its time, survived a famine. And it was an incredible story beyond words, but he passed it. He passed the test of being faithful wherever he was. So if you're renting a house today and you're believing God to buy a house, look after the house you're in. Don't have, a, don't have a tenant mentality. Well, why would I do anything to take care of this? Why, if you can't be faithful in someone else's, God can't make you give your own. We've got to pass the test. Can you say amen? If you're believing God for new clothes and you can't hang up the clothes you have, Oh, that one, got, that one got a little little reaction. You're believing God for a new car and you don't wash the car you got. Some of you wash your car, your car would fall apart. The only thing holding it together is the dirt. <laughs> got to pass the test. You got to be faithful where you are. But here is a hard one. Abraham, give me your son, but can I give you the promise God gave him? Genesis 15, this brings context to the test. And it says here that God took him outside and said, look at the sky. Look and count the stars if indeed you can count them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. This is Abraham, not Abraham. And this is before he had a son. And the Bible says he was old. Matter of fact, the Bible says he was very old. Matter of fact, the Bible says his body was as good as dead. I don't need to paint any pictures for you. The brother is old. And the Bible says not only is he old, but his wife was old and she was barren. In other words, even on his best day. I'm trying not to be graphic. There was no Viagra. There was no Cialis. On his best day, his body is as good as dead. But God says, look up. Count the stars. That's how many kids you'll have. That'll be your offspring. Out of you will come a son. I mean, Abraham on his best day, old, looks at Sarah. Hey, babe, you're looking mighty fine today. Even on his best day, what are the chances of her even being warm and receptive to his advances? And even then, what are the chances of them having a child? Because she's barren. But God speaks a promise in spite of it. Count the stars. Every time Abraham went outside, he looked up and went, there's my kids. Look at the sand, God says. It'll be more numerous than the sand, than the seashore. And Abraham believed God. Watch this. And it says, it was credited to him as righteousness. Come on, somebody. 
And Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, how that I know that I will gain possession of it. So the Lord said to him, bring me a heifer. That's a cow. Bring me a heifer. And it says, and a ram, and each, and, and each three years old, along with a dove and a, and a young pigeon. And Abraham brought all these together, and it says, he cut, and it says, and after he brought them to him, he says, cut them in two. And arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, the Bible says, he did not cut in half. I want you to picture this. God's going to make what we now know as an Abrahamic covenant. And then in this covenant, he says, you get a heifer and you cut it in two. This is a covenant that God makes. And he goes, you put half of the heifer, the cow, over there. And you put half of the cow over there. And then Abram, you walk through the two halves. And when you walk through, I'm going to make you a promise. I've got new ground for you. I've got children for you. I've got a future for you. I have a plan for you. I've got new ground for you. And the Bible says Abraham is the father of us of all. The Bible says we're of the seed, we're of the faith, and we're of the promise of Abraham. Here's the key to the promise. You walk through it, no matter what, Abraham, this is not dependent upon anything you do. You've believed me, so therefore it's credited to you as righteousness. And I'm making a promise to you today, I will do this. And so Abraham is walking through these two halves of this sacrifice that he gave to God. And then look what the Bible says, the birds came. And they says they came down on the carcasses and they were starting to feed and eat off the carcass. But that was a promise that God gave Abraham. And that carcass to him represented the promise that God gave him. And the Bible says Abraham got up and listen to what it says. Matter of fact, if you read this on, it says all night from midnight till dawn, these birds, as you would expect, ravens would come and eat off a carcass, wouldn't they? Happens every day. But the Bible says here, Abraham chased the birds away. He didn't want anything to diminish, to to, let, to make smaller the promise God gave him. And I want to speak to you today. Listen to the word of the Lord. God has new ground for you, but you've got to chase away the birds that are trying to feed off the carcass of what God promised you. That cow represents the promise of God's faithfulness and God's goodness. He didn't want anything to minimize, to diminish. the. Pro- You're not feeding off my, my promise God gave me, God promises healing, then you got to chase away the birds, the birds that come and try and pick away at the promise of your health and your healing. you got to see, you got to chase away the birds that are, that are trying to pick away at the promise that God gave for you and your children will know the Lord and they will serve the Lord. you got to chase away the birds. you got to chase away the birds that are trying to eat at the promise God gave you. Come on, somebody. God has has new ground for you. It's a test. And it's not a test that we fail. It's a test so that we can have what God promised. Can you say amen? I think about the woman with the alabaster box poured oil on the feet of Jesus and showed him, showed Jesus more love than anyone or anything. Her love for him was more than anything or anyone else. I think about the widow who gave her very last coins because of her love for God. 
And the Bible says about her, Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting in their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. I love how Jesus puts this. And he goes, truly I tell you, he goes, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. And all these people gave their gifts out of their wealth. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. It's a test. It's a test. God will test us. God has new ground for you. But he's going to test us in a way that we can achieve the test. Here's the second thought, and I'm done. I believe God has new ground for you as a church, individually. But the second way I believe we take new ground is by thinking big. Amen. By thinking big. Some Christians, their brain is on the pill. They haven't given birth to a new idea in years. I don't want to challenge us today. Are we people who think big? Listen to Psalm 2 verse 8. Ask of me, says the Lord, and I will give you nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. Ask of me, says the Lord, and I will give you nations. Nations. Some of us are asking God to help us get a good parking spot at the mall. And God wants to give us nations. I say that only because my wife and I went to Penrith Plaza yesterday at 9, 10 a.m. And we had to park at the highest level of the parking deck. And I'm saying, God, help me find a parking spot. And I'm preaching to myself, God, I'm not asking you for nations. I'm asking for a parking spot. I don't know why it was so busy at the mall yesterday. Praise the Lord. Listen. I'm amazed. You look what's happening in the world right now. China wants Taiwan. Russia wants Ukraine. I mean, the, the Hamas want to destroy Israel off the place of the, the, the planet. All these nations want nations. And yet the only people God will give nations to is the church. And everybody else wants nations, but God won't let you give it to us. And we're the only people that don't want it. What's up with that? We've got to believe God to ask him for nations. We've got to pray bigger prayers. We've got to think bigger. We've got to live bigger. We've got to give bigger. We've got to think big. Come on, somebody praise God. (laughs) So ask of me. Then I thought about how we ask, and I think sometimes do we even ask right? James puts it this way. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your own desires and the battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have, watch this, because you do not ask. You don't have because you don't ask. we got to get our ask on. Amen? You don't have because you don't ask. And when you do ask, you don't receive. Why? Because you ask with all the wrong motives that you may spend on what you get on your own pleasures. So I was thinking about that. I thought, God, I want to ask. I want to ask you for nations. you got no idea how much I'm burdened for the nations of this earth. In in where we live, we have the largest naval base in all the world. we got one of the most strategic military places, 
Camp Perry, the farm, CIA, is all where we are. NASA Langley is where we are. All the SEAL teams on the East Coast are all where we are. Navy SEALs are the nicest trained killers you'll ever meet in your life. They're wonderful people. Some of them are very close friends of mine. And, I, and I'm watching them go all over the world. And I'm looking at what God has for us. Ask of me, says the Lord, and I will give you nations. And some of us, all we can think about is, God, help me get out of debt. Lord, help me survive till Friday. Lord, help me just pay the bills. And yet God has nations waiting for us if we'll just ask. Listen to what Jesus said. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. And those who seek find. The one who knocks it will be open. How many remember, this is going to test a few people, how many remember the Avon Lady commercials? Remember, you know that, you know that Avon Lady? Anybody remember her? I'm going to knock on your door, ring on your bell, tap on your window too. How many remember this? Come on, let me see you here. All right, there you go. I'm going to knock on your door, ring on your bell, tap on your window too. I'm going to knock and ring and tap and knock and ring and tap until you do. Can I tell you what God's telling us here? You've got to be like the Avon lady. You've got to ask God. You've got to knock on the door of heaven. You've got to tap on the windows of heaven. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find it. Knock, and the door will be open. You've got to ask. When was the last time you asked? Some of us are so used to living with sickness, we forget we've even got sickness. And when the opportunity for prayer comes, we don't even lift a hand because we're so used to living with less than what God has for us. And I've come today, come on, God has new ground for you. Ask, get your ask on. Come on. Look at this, look at this. Come here, I got, oh, I got to close. Look, Luke chapter 18, verse one. It says, when Jesus told his disciples a parable, to show how they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God or cared what the people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming, and it says to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or I don't care what people think, Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see to it that she gets justice so she won't eventually come and attack me. He never cared a single bit about justice for her. He only gave her justice to preserve himself. I'm doing this because I know if I don't give this woman what she wants, ultimately she's going to come after me. And listen to what he says. As the Lord said, listen to what the unjust says, unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? You gotta be like the Avon lady. You gotta ask and go on asking. You gotta knock and go on knocking. You gotta seek and go on seeking. Some of us give up too easily. If you can't remember what you prayed for yesterday, don't expect God to answer your prayer today. You gotta ask and go on knocking. You gotta seek and go on seeking. Come on, somebody. 
You've got to get persistence. You've got to get resilient. You've got to get determined. You've got to get focused. God, you've got new ground for me, and I'm asking. I'm not going to be denied. Your promises are yes and amen. If I ask anything in accordance to your will, you will hear me. You will answer me in Jesus' name. Some of us have got to get a little bit more persistent in our prayers, a little bit more determined. I won't be denied. I love Daniel. I love him. He's praying and he's going, God, I want a breakthrough. And first day, nothing happened. He kept praying. God, I want a breakthrough. Second day, nothing happened. God, I want a breakthrough. Third day, fourth day, seven days, one week. Most of us would have given up at that point. Not Daniel. He kept praying. Eighth day, ninth day, 14 days, no breakthrough. 21st day, finally an angel comes. And, and Daniel looks at him and goes, where have you been, man? And the angel goes, you don't understand, Daniel. Every day you prayed. It gave me the power to break through the powers of Persia, the principalities and the powers of the air. Every day you prayed, I was taking ground because of your prayers. I was on my way because you prayed. I'm telling you, when we get to heaven, some of us, we're going to have some angels. They're going to have an attitude with us because we gave up. We stopped praying. And the angel maybe got two-thirds of the way to bring in the answer. But we went, well, it mustn't have been God's will. And then we get to heaven. I need to speak to you. Do you have any idea how many times I was this close to bringing the breakthrough and you stopped praying? Ask. Come on, think big. Somebody say amen. I believe it's a word for you as a church. That God has new ground for you as a church. I believe it's a word for you, for your family. I believe it's a word for God, for your health, for your healing, for your future. I believe it's a word for you individually. Whatever the new ground is, God has it for you. I got to close. Ephesians 3 verse 20. Now unto him who was able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or think, according to the power that is in us. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ever ask or think. Amen. I don't like it when people pray prayers like this. Lord, if it's your will, why would you pray a prayer not knowing what the will of God is? The Bible says this is the confidence we have in him. That if we ask anything in accordance to his will, he hears us. So let's not pray, Lord, if it's your will. Let's find out what the will of God is. Let's be people who are in the word of God. And when we see the word of God, we know what the will of God is. And this is the confidence we have in him. That if we ask anything in accordance to the knowledge of his will, he hears us. I thank you, Lord. It is you who will. That my children are saved. I thank you, Lord. It is your will. That you will give me immeasurably more than I could ever ask, think, or imagine. I Thank you, Lord. Your promises are yes and amen. I thank you, Lord, that you own the cattle on a thousand hills. I thank you, Lord, though I'm walking through the valley and the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I thank you, Lord, that you've made me the head, not the tail, above and not beneath. I thank you, Lord, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I thank you, it's your Lord, that I'm blessed to be a blessing. Come on, somebody, think big. Watch this. I'm done. Romans 8, verse 5. For they 
that are after the flesh. They, they, after the flesh. Do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Watch this. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So I'm talking about thinking big. And the Bible says if we think carnal, and I guess when we read that word, we think carnal, or that's kind of like evil thoughts. When we read the word carnally minded, we kind of think, well, that's lustful thoughts, carnal. But that's not what the definition of carnal mind, it includes that. But the best definition I ever heard of carnal mindedness is to bring your thinking back to the level of your humanity. That's, that's a little bit more relevant. To bring your thinking back to the level of your humanity. Well, two plus two equals four. That's, that's a carnal. That's an earthly thought. That's a worldly thought. Amen? But in the economy of heaven, two plus two equals whatever God says it equals. Abraham did not waver in unbelief. He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, but he believed God. It was credited to him as righteousness. God has new ground for you. But we can't allow our carnal mindedness. Well, that would never happen here in Penrith. That could never happen in my life. I mean, you don't understand. I grew up in, in four generations of welfare recipient. I could never see myself going to college. I could never see myself buying a house. I could never see myself out of debt. That's carnal thinking. I've come today to tell you God has new ground. And I've come today to encourage you to think bigger in Jesus' name. Can I pray for you? Do you receive the word? Come on, do you receive the word? Give the Lord a hand if you receive the word. I want to pray for you. If you've never given your life to Jesus, if you're not yet a Christian, and I don't know who brought you here today. I don't know who invited you. I don't know how you came. Maybe a friend brought you. Maybe, you used to, you, maybe you're one of those drive-by people. Do you know those dry, you just drive by and you always look at that and go, what's going on in there? And you just thought, one of these days I'm going to visit. And today's one of those days. I don't know how you came, but God brought you here. It's not by chance. It's not by coincidence. You were here because God wanted you to know today. Look at me now. The biggest thing I asked for about today, the, most, the biggest prayer I could pray was, Lord, let people get saved today. Let people meet you as Lord and Savior. I want to pray for you. Everything of my life and ministry, what God's my wife, used my wife in, it all started here. I thank God for Penrith. If you rip me open, then the Pingan River flows out of my veins. I love this city, and I believe God wants to see people in this city. I believe God wants to raise up a church in this city that is a soul-winning church. Can, anybody believe me? People are going to give their life to Jesus today. Maybe you're away from God, and you know today you need to get right with God. All over this spoon, we're going to close our eyes, we're going to bow our heads. And if I'm talking to you and you say, Steve, include me in that prayer. Steve, I want to give my life to Jesus. Maybe it's the first time. Maybe today. I couldn't think of a better time to get right with God than right before Christmas. Right here to give your life to Jesus, to become a follower of Jesus. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. But I am going to ask you right where you're sitting. When we pray, if you'll just take your hand and would you hold it up high enough 
and long enough just for me to see it so I know who I'm praying for. You going to believe with me, church? People are going to meet Jesus today? Come on, you going to believe with me, church? Can I get an amen? Praise the Lord. Let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. And if that's you, and you say, Steve, pray for me. Steve, include me in that prayer. Steve, I don't know Jesus. Steve, I need to get right with God. All over this building, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you say, Steve, include me in that prayer, would you lift your hand right now? Lift it up high enough and long enough for me to see it. God bless you. Who else will lift it up right now? Quickly, all over the building, we're praying for people. God bless you. God bless you. Who else will lift it up? There's others here today. I know you're here, and God is reaching out to you. I just lift it right now so I can see it, so I can pray with you, and I can pray for you. If I haven't seen it, give it a wave because I don't want to miss you. Is there anyone else who will lift your hand? Say, Steve, you're talking to me. God bless you. Somebody right there. Wonderful. My last call. If you haven't lifted your hand, but you know you should. Come on, lift it right now. That's it. God bless you. There's another person right there. God bless you. Anybody else? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. There's another person right there. Church, can we give the Lord the Lord a hand for every person? Come on. Come on. That's the greatest miracle in the church. That's the greatest miracle. People are taken out of darkness and put into the kingdom of light. Can we pray a prayer together? Can we say it out loud? Say it with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you today to come into my life to forgive me of my sins. I receive you now as my Lord and Savior. I am now a Christian. You now live in me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, one more time. Let's give each of those people who lifted their head a big hand. I know Pastor Jack already prayed for people, for family and for healing. I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this. I I believe with all my heart, God brought me to say to you, here's new ground for you. I want you to lay a hold of that promise. I believe for this church, God has new ground. There's things that can happen between now and the end of this year that maybe you believe for this year. It's not over yet. Don't lose heart. Go into next year. Believe in God for new ground in Jesus' name. Let's pass the test and let's think big. Let's worship the Lord together. Come on.
every stronghold shine through the shadows. 